everyone, welcome to Considered, a podcast where turtlenecks and good designs thrive. I'm Dasha. And I'm Stephanie, and we're two industrial designers considering all things design. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Considered. Today on the podcast, we wanted to do the industrial design seven question challenge. So this challenge originated uh, with Jimmy's design and design plus Morna over on YouTube. However, we want to bring it to the podcast and we're going to dive into our answers, uh, give a perspective of our newly graduated industrial designers here in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. So before we get into it, Dasha, how are you? I am pretty good, Steph. Um, I'm actually better than good. Um, oh. The other day I snapped and decided to buy... She snapped everyone. Uh, a brand new laptop, a MacBook Pro nice. 2020. Um, let me tell you how it went, right? So... I'm graduated, right? And I'm trying to find a job. I'm trying to build a portfolio, yada, yada, yada. I'm trying to get, you know, all my programs to work and everything. And um, right now I'm actually um, trying to go into the more UX, UI design route at first, just nice. just to get my foot in the door at first. Um, and then later on, I just want to do more research design kind of um, and other, I just want to experience different realms of design. But to get it started, right now I'm kind of teaching myself, uh, you know, different programs such as XD, uh, After Effects, uh, which are programs that I haven't taught myself in the past or haven't learned in the past. So I'm sitting there anxious, opening up my computer, my little MacBook Air that I've had for the past five years, which honestly withstood working on almost all Adobe Suite programs and uh, rendering programs such as uh, Keyshot and, you know, it's my little baby. I know most people diss it, you know, because it's MacBook Air, it doesn't have very good specs, but... You know, I was like, you know what? You can push it. You can push it, honey. I know you're 2015, but you can still do this. Get help me get a job. I'm a broke lady over here, you know, trying to trying to <laughs> succeed in life. And I open it and I go to my cloud um, account, and um, I look and I see that almost everything, almost every program um, on on the um, Adobe Cloud. I cannot download because my computer is not uh, the generation that allows you to download it. So it's not like the 10.13 oh. Apple Gen or update. It's not updated. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to go update it. Oh, anyway, it turns <laughs> out MacBook Air, at least the time that I got it, is not able to do any more updates. So it's stuck at 10.11 um, so update. And I can't download any of my Adobe Suite programs that I'm paying $59 for a month, uh, except for what I have right now, which is like a really late version of Photoshop, InDesign, and... Um, and Illustrator, uh, and they're like the older versions. They're like the 2018 that I was downloaded in the previous years. So I can't even download the newest versions of them. So I literally can't download anything. Um, 
yeah, and it was just crashing. And so honestly, I snapped and I went into that Apple uh, store and I just purchased it. And I, I, I never looked back. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> so did you know what you wanted? Like which edition? Yeah, I mean, honestly, I feel like that's this is how I am with all my big, big purchases is... I don't think twice. Like, I know in the back of my mind, I've always wanted a new computer. And I've been looking at uh, this this one at, over time. But oh, I never yeah. really sat down and, like, spent two hours looking and reading reviews. I just, over the years, c- have been, like, following Apple and looking into their products. So you knew um, which one you were I kind of did. Towards. I already kind of did. Um, of course, the salesperson was trying to upgrade me to the 16-inch screen. And I got the 13-inch. And... Personally, like I know there's many benefits with the 16 inch, but I ain't about to pay 700 more dollars for something that I'm not even going to feel comfortable carrying around. I think this is perfect for me because I'm not about to run like gaming programs or intensive rendering, multi, you know, rendering programs. Um, This is good like to run my everything that I need, which is the Adobe and everything. But it just feels really nice to actually have the equipment that I need to work. That's good. That's and a good it feeling. Definitely puts a lot of my anxiety apart because in the past, like even with editing these episodes, I wasn't able to fully download an episode um, to edit, you know, considered uh, without deleting something um, or a huge amount of work, transferring a huge amount of work. And it's so frustrating because you lose so much time. You do. Like messing with all the minuscule, like trying yeah. to delete applications mm-hmm. to get room. Yeah. And then you have problem. to download a whole bunch of applications. Um, don't get me wrong, like my MacBook Air, I think like I'm still going to sell it. And I think it's a great purchase for someone who's going into their first year of university and who's not going to be rendering and using Autodesk or such powerful products. Yeah, you're not going to be doing that. Um, And that's the nice thing about Apple is their resale value. If you have taken care, taken care of your stuff, it's pretty good. Yeah. I mean... If you can get half, a quarter, that's, you know, three quarters, mm-hmm. why not? Why not? Why so not? that's my goal is to sell my MacBook. I'm going to clean it up, freshen it up. Like, I think it's in a really good condition still. No dents, nothing. Um, I just got to make sure I wipe off all my fingerprints off of it and delete all the information on it. And yeah, yeah it'll be good as new, I feel like, for whoever. Did you get any uh, gifts with oh, your, yeah. your purchase there? <laughs> I also got my AirPods for the first time Ooh. because uh, it was like, it was included in everything. Welcome to like Hype Beast. Back to school. I know. And you know what? <laughs> I am really enjoying it. Here's the thing. I was really pissed off at Apple for for making the decision. I don't know why they made it. They keep wanting you to buy stuff, right? And it's smart. But the fact that you can't plug in regular Apple earphones into the devices that you own like my new my new MacBook I won't be able to plug my regular earphones into them or yeah. maybe my iPad my iPad doesn't even have a hole in it to plug headphones into so oh. the fact that you actually need this type of like wireless headphone um it's annoying, but it's good when you have it because you're literally able to connect to all your devices um, and listen to whatever you want, which is great. And it's been really nice. I'm too nervous to go jogging with it, though. I'm not going to lie. Like, I don't want it to, like, drop or do outdoor stairs and exercise with it. But I heard really good, like, reviews about doing exercises with them, too. So Yeah, they're pretty They're pretty good. Yeah, it's interesting, Apple, with their intent or intent to make things obsolete. 
Mm-hmm. I did notice that the iPad didn't have the aux yep. output. You don't notice until you're trying to find it. <laughs> That's so interesting. Yeah. Hmm. yeah. Well, that's good you got the, the AirPods. I oh, have yeah. a, I got a pair back in February. Yeah. And I do use them when I go for runs or jogs. And my only, I have the pro version and my only flaw is if you're running and your ears get a little bit of sweaty, <laughs> like a little bit of sweat, they pop out. You can yeah. like start to feel them kind of come out, which is kind of annoying. That is annoying. And I've dropped mine once. Now a little scuff. But other than that. Pretty good. Pretty good. Pretty good. Yeah. Welcome to the the AirPod High Beast Club. Mode. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're ready. It is nice though. Honestly, I love Apple. And the reason why their products are so great is because of industrial designers. Let's be real here. Oh yeah. Which speaking of industrial designers, um, as Steph has already introduced, we're gonna be doing the industrial design seven question challenge. I think we should just get right into it. Uh, Let's do it. And give our fresh face designer perspective. Um, it'll be really exciting to see. Um, what other perspectives there are. We already saw, you know, uh, Sam Does Design did one, uh, Jimmy's Design did one, Design Plus Morna did one, and a whole bunch of other designers in the U.S. did a lot of stuff. So it'll be really interesting uh, to see what the uh, local Canadian community as well as the Albertan community has to say. So hopefully at the end of this, we'll, we'll tag someone. Um, yeah. And, and yeah. Pass the pass the torch along. Pass the torch along to one of our local uh, industrial designers. Industrial designers. Yeah. Yeah. And industrial design firms. So question one, Steph. Industrial design is fairly uncommon field. How did you discover it? Alrighty. So I think it kinda industrial design came to me when I was thinking about what I wanted to take in school. And as I said in a previous episode, I think our first one, I was really into cars at the time. Mm -hmm. So I did know about car design. Mm -hmm. And I kind of found out that U of A had the industrial design program Mm -hmm. that could act kind of as a bridge into car design. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's actually no car design schools here in Edmonton Mm -hmm. or actually in Canada. I think there might be one in Ontario, but I think it's like a two-year program? Mm -hmm. I I, I don't really know. But nothing that was practical given my situation. So I actually knew at the time my brother-in-law's dad uh, knew about the industrial design program Mm. and he knew that they did a project way back in the day with Ford Mm. and they designed kind of like a prototype concept car. Mm. So that's where I first learned about the industrial design program. But when I got in, I don't think they were doing that project anymore. Um, yeah, that's kind of how I found out about industrial design. How about how about you, Dash? Yeah, I as I, as we've as as well as we've mentioned in our previous uh, episode one, our intro episode, we kind of talked a little bit about this question. Actually, um, my main inspiration was my grandpa, who back in the day of uh, the Cold War, um, I'm Ukrainian, so he's he. Uh, lived in Ukraine, Kiev, and he was um, uh, basically an inventor. His title was an inventor, but really I feel like it was kind of an engineer slash industrial designer. And what he did is he designed lighting for any uh, space launches of any sort of, um, you know, missiles or new inventions that would be launched during the space race in the Cold War. Um, 
so he was a really cool dude who really inspired me to do something within the realm of design or engineering. Um, I definitely think I took a lot from him. But I think like if I took this question quite literally, um, I really discovered it with my brother helping me find something to do um, after high school. Like I honestly had no clue um, I've never heard of industrial design until I had to look at um, what I'm going to do after high school mm. and what university careers I wanted to pursue. And it's ironic because my brother, <laughs> out of all the people who is quite against the arts or design uh, <laughs> today, um, he actually helped me find industrial design. I think he the engineering route really caught his attention. So he thought, hmm, she'll go into into this and maybe later transition into engineering. Oh, yeah. But now he's quite disful in my <laughs> design career. <laughs> That's another topic, though. Um, but yeah, he helped me kind of find that information and... Quite honest, I'm not even going to lie. I went into it without knowing much about it. I just kind of dove into it. Um, first year, I thought I knew what it was, but I really didn't. Second year, I started to think I knew what it was, but I really didn't. Third, and we really have an entire episode on this again coming up uh, about um, our university experience. But really, really, um, I would say I had no clue what it was about up until I really was in it. And thank God I loved it. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, yeah, I would, I would say, but I truly didn't discover it. Like, if we really talked about it, discovering it, I didn't discover it until I was in my third year of design. And I realized that industrial design is more than just, you know, manufacturing products. Um, it's about the impact that it can make on a person's life. Um, and on, on a user's life. So that's, I think when I really like discovered it and started to really understand what it was, but yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Okay. Question number two, how do you explain your job to those who don't know about industrial design? Well, first I ask them, do they have two hours? (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. This is a hard one. Um, because you know, even though I am a technically like classically trained industrial designer. I learned more uh, than that in my degree. I definitely got the experience to learn, you know, research design, user experience design, social design, visual communication design. You get to you get exposed to so much that it's kind of hard to especially right now that it's kind of hard to just be like, oh, this is exactly what it is. Um but I would say in a classical de- definition, industrial design uh, designer is someone that designs the overall appearance and experience of using a particular product in a way that can be manufactured on an industry level. So I always give the example of Apple products, actually, uh, because the industrial designers work hand in hand with engineers and marketers to create products that look, feel and interact uh, like no other product out there. Um, they are the, you know, industrial design really is the reason that they're so different from a lot of other technical um, slash tech companies out there. And I think people are slowly starting to realize, like other companies like Google and Facebook are sl- slowly starting to realize um, about, you know, what kind of sets Apple apart. And they're starting to include more industrial designers within their processes of development. 
I, I personally identify with the broader definition of a designer. I believe that a designer is someone who designs products, experiences, and services, and systems that are driven by user-centered research uh, and can improve the way that a user functions in their daily life. Um, so this is important because nowadays industrial designer must concern themselves not only with aesthetics of a product or the manufacturability, but with how a product will fit into the overall lifestyle of the user and how their interaction with the product can shift their daily routines. Um, and th this, this definition, I consider it uh, to be prime because... Um, of projects that I worked on uh, with medical designers and um, they really consider the user before considering you know just the aesthetics and the aesthetic choices they make are based on the user and their needs and their research um, not just you know I love the shape I love the you know whatever it, it's it's really it's there's a science to it I think yeah what about you, Steph? Yeah, I think this one's a really tough question. Um, I always say, like, design can consist of so many things. Mm -hmm. And I find something that's helpful for me is using my past projects as examples mm -hmm. and where um, I can give, like, those examples where people can kind of contextualize as I explain what I do. Mm -hmm. So, for example, this past Christmas... Um, I was talking to my brother's girlfriend mm -hmm. and she was kind of asking, you know, what I'm taking in school, you know, what kind of work am I working on? And she's a nurse at the Stollery. Mm -hmm. So I had a couple projects that were like kind of medical related. So I did this project where it was a pouch for mothers who have just given birth mm -hmm. uh, through C-section. Mm -hmm. So I was kind of explaining, you know, we started off with you know, a problem and there were some limitations. Mm -hmm. We did a lot of like user research and interviews and kind of explaining through my project, this human centered design approach, mm -hmm. and then showed her, you know, an example of what the final product could be. And for her, it was really effective that she was able to use like her knowledge mm. that she knew mm -hmm. and then kind of see what I did mm -hmm. so she's already in that experience mm -hmm. in that situation mm -hmm. and she can kind of see how I work in that's there true. and I think that's helped um, when I explain to parents yeah. or family members or colleagues or friends that's a good one yeah just to give an example of just a project you're working on and kind of summarize it better because I feel like also the topics of the projects that we work on especially in school and like the last year they're very kind of social medical based so you people can see the value of design uh, not just in like a marketing manner maybe or an artistic setting what which is what they related to right away uh, they can see it in a more like scientific way or um, just like a socially impactful way which is interesting and can kind of relate to it it's just a more simple way of doing it I think yeah and what's great is industrial design is so large and it can be so many things yeah and that's how we were taught I think when you go out and are working as an industrial designer I think it's a little bit more product-based manufacturing based mm -hmm. but I still use it as an umbrella term mm -hmm. and then I give examples of all the areas that through my mm -hmm. knowledge mm -hmm. I can work in yeah and I think giving those examples 
really helps them open their eyes to the potential of design too. Mm-hmm. So I found that to be yeah quite a, quite effective. It's true. It's true. Um, so question three: What inspirations have developed your industrial design style? Oh man, <laughs> here we go. Here we go, Steph. So. Anybody who knows me knows I'm, like, very philosophical and, uh, yeah, deep into it. So I'm a really big fan of designers or artists or people in general who really push the boundaries of the ordinary. Mm -hmm. So what's accepted or what's normalized, you know, in our everyday lives. So I think... I'm definitely inspired by Mark Newson, mm-hmm. and I think his approach um, in like constantly pushing the boundaries of what design can be. If you look back at his work, mm-hmm. I think he has this very distinct style mm-hmm. that separates him and challenges that notion. It's so I find that super interesting. I'm also inspired by uh, recently here. Our Canadian design pal, uh, Karim Rashid. Oh, man, Karim. Man. So he's, when it comes to industrial designers in Canada, like he's, I guess, like really famous ones. He's like the most prominent. Mm -hmm. And I had to do this project when we were doing, I think it was like learning about Canadian designers, but it was more visual communication design but I was like no I need to do Mm -hmm. Karim Rashid I'm an industrial designer he needs he needs to be talked about so you know his work again just like spreads out across many different disciplines Um, his like democratic design his like organic forms lots of color I think it's really inspired Mm -hmm. what I'm kind of interested in it's also very artistic, I would say, for sure. Like, yeah. a lot of sculptural elements in his... A lot of pow type of yeah. work, like, it will stun you. Yeah. It has this, like, vibrating, uh, like, sense. Organic, fluid. Yeah, if you ever have a chance to read, you know, listen to him talk, he is quite, quite interesting. But finally, I'd say my dude is... Virgil Abloh he's like my guy I think he's more of a modern day designer that I really appreciate um I mentioned before that I traveled to Chicago Mm -hmm. last summer to see his figures of speech Mm. um exhibition Mm -hmm. and everything he did was just like I think I spent like four hours in in the museum and everything just was like so cool yeah um so yeah, I think he has a really unique approach where he has all these like cultural undertones mm-hmm. that just make sense. He disseminates things and then alters them to give them a new modern meaning, mm. which I think is really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, in all in all, I think I have, in terms of my style, I'm really interested in people who do like very different avant-garde mm. designs mm-hmm. and who also work in multiple areas they're yeah. not just specifically product or they're not specifically mm-hmm. furniture they're not specialized in in one particular thing yeah, yeah. that's so cool yeah. yeah i say for me uh one of the people who um we're going to discuss actually on another episode and with who i'm really 
um, interested in is Don Norman. And I think it's his writing, his his whole theory behind design, whether he's talking about, you know, the design of everyday things, the book, uh, which will be in our book club discussion. You yeah. guys should tune in, um, you know, or him talking about the emotional design um, aspect and his writings on that. Like the fact that... Um, he he really brings in the human and the importance of human-centered design and the importance of uh, researching your design, the importance of creating emotions uh, within the design and being playful in your design um, is so interesting because also he's taking a point, like he used to be an engineer and now he switched mm. over to the other side, to the dark side. <laughs> um, and so he has, like, he also has a really fantastic way of kind of separating the two. And really, um, he pumps up industrial designers, I think, in a way. Because <laughs> he, he really f- shows them, I think a lot of times industrial designers can, can be, um, you know a lot of engineers won't necessarily understand what we do or won't fully value sometimes the work that we do. Not everyone. Um, At least that's, I've noticed in our experiences, it's how it is sometimes and in the experiences of our professors and some, some professionals um, that we've worked with before. Uh, But he really like pumps it up and he explains like how industrial design can impact the way a product is made and can truly transform and make it humanized and make the product perfect for a person and not a machine and um, predict what a person can do. So it's really cool. His theories, his writings are incredible and how he mixes psychology into it. Um, I really, I really um, love, love um, his writings. So the other person, though, um, that I really enjoy is Naoto Fukasawa, who is a Japanese designer whose work spans from furniture to electronics to architecture and more. And he worked for a huge array of brands, you know, starting with IDEO um, and actually moving IDEO to Japan, um, you know, opening up his own company eventually. Man, he is a genius. Like if you look at his line of products and it's it's so it's it's so beautiful because it's it's minimalist, it's intentional. Like every single product he designs is so intentional, I feel like. And whatever furniture that he has, whatever product he has really fits into the environment that he imagines it to be in. Um it's really, again, humanized. The, the theory that I really like that um, he focuses on um, and the thing that really inspires me is he, str- he strongly believes in the idea that the uh, impetus for design is found in people's unconscious behavior. So he actually named that, uh, you know, without thought, quote unquote, that's his like strategy. Yeah. Uh, So the idea that um, and it's very kind of UX based user user based kind of Mm. thought too. like the idea that, you know, when you're unconsciously thinking of something of doing something, then the design is working really well. Like if you're unconsciously doing it without even having needing needing an explanation of how to do something then it's working really well and that's something that don norman speaks about as well when it comes to affordances and signifiers Mm -hmm. which probably maybe is influenced from don i don't Mm -hmm. know maybe Mm -hmm. um 
But yeah, that's interesting that you said that. Yeah, just the idea. And that's what I'm also learning right now. Like, as I said, like, I'm kind of transitioning into UX, UI field just to get my foot in the door a little bit more. And I'm learning so much about micro interactions that really take a digital product from something that's just, you know, an app to something that's very, like, human-centered app. Like, literally makes it feel like it's for that particular user group and really personalizes it. Uh, yeah, really cool stuff. Oh, that's awesome. Alrighty. So question number four, which company would you love to design a product for? So I can, I can dive right on into that. Um, I definitely would love to design products in a studio like Frogger IDEO. That's like the dream, the, the goal within the next year or so. Um, But in terms of specific companies, I would love to design products, I think, for a fashion brand Hmm. and maybe come out with a line of black turtlenecks. Oh, my gosh. Here (laughs) we go. Your dreams will come true. It's it's well thought out. (laughs) I see it. Um, But yeah, I think like Doc Martin um, would be a cool company to have a design for. Honestly, like as I talked about with like the previous question. I know I want to design in a multitude of fields, mm-hmm. but I think fashion could be cool within mm-hmm. the next, you know, couple years. Um, but yeah, I'd, I'd take up the opportunity to design for, you know, any any company really. Apple, Nike would be super cool. But I think it'd also be cool to design for myself, mm. like my own brand. Yeah, So eventually. my own product line. I think that would be... Yeah, that would be incredible. Probably number one, but that's a little bit down the the future. But how about you? Yeah, I think I I mean, man, Frog and IDEO would be incredible to work for Frog or IDEO. Um, I think that's my plan as well. Is yeah. I want to get started off with really um, going into UX, UI, because there's a lot, there's a huge array of jobs right now for that. And there's a huge path for it. Uh, and I, like you, like I want to start off and get a better skill set in one thing, but then that doesn't mean that I don't ever want to design physical products or that I don't want to do other stuff. Um, I think companies like Frog, IDEO, Apple, they really allow industrial designers or designers in general to uh, not just focus on, um, you know, like they, they allow them to be not incredibly specialized, but they allow them to have a much broader perspective in their products um, and their their projects that they're working on. Yeah, so I think that's definitely something that I'd want to I want to do the most important thing for me is to do research driven design Um, that's something that I'm really passionate about I love collecting research I love being around um, you know various users and really humanizing the design so those companies are fantastic at doing that and it would be an honor to work for a company like that for sure yeah it's so cool how Frogger IDEO Like, they're not general to one type of design, Mm -hmm. like social design. Um, IDEO has that, like, I did a paper on, um, I think, their toilet design in, I think it was Uganda. Mm -hmm. Um, 
But then at the same time, they're designing products for companies mm-hmm. and local governments. Yep. So, yeah, I it's think that's... such a range, you know? Yeah, it's never a dull moment, I feel. Absolutely. So if we have any uh, frogs listening or any, any people from IDEO... Give us a job. <laughs> guys hiring, you know, hit us up. Hit us up. You can uh, send us an email <laughs> at consideredpodcast at gmail.com. Or we'll send you an email. <laughs> <laughs> we'll stalk you on LinkedIn. Yeah. But in Not all... that we don't do that right now. That's fine. <laughs> That's how you get the jobs. Um, but in all seriousness, yeah, definitely would be... The goal. The goal. Mm-hmm. Short-term goal, for sure. Long-term okay. goal, too, in a way. Yeah. Um, question number six, what do you dislike most about industrial design? Dasha, let's hear it. Oh, nothing. Oh, man. <laughs> I love it all. I love it all. Okay. Um, I would say the one thing that I dislike is the fact that this field is not very appreciated by other professions it's not as much appreciated i would say yeah um and i think it's because it's just not very well known especially Uh, here in canada and maybe and you know what i'm gonna say this i think it may be also because we're from you know like we're from a city but it's an oil city where design community is very small it's very startup kind of growing um a lot mainly industrial designers do furniture design here um or you just have the kind of graphic designers doing their stuff but there's not much like um there's it's very it's it's just starting it's just starting like it's not a huge community like not as vibrant as it might be in toronto or vancouver um or just in other places like in u.s where design is very appreciated or especially in in asia uh where in hong kong you know expats get paid a whole bunch of money and are really well appreciated for what they do yeah um yeah it's definitely not as well uh you know yeah we've heard in the past that it's gotten better through the years from you know peers and stuff like that but I think it always can require growth and I think as we mentioned on previous podcasts that's why we're interested in you know going to a location where design is really emphasized and really appreciated so yeah kind of the goal but yeah I agree uh there'd be anything else you don't like um no, that's it. <laughs> what about you, Steph? What do you dislike? I think I dislike how hidden industrial design is. But at the same time, I feel like we have, you know, kind of like a behind the scenes, like superpower kind of thing that only like a group of us really have. Mm-hmm. I think what we can do and our practice is so powerful, but I wish it was, you know, celebrated more mm-hmm. similar to what you were saying, Dasha. So I know we've kind of worked in the medical field a bit with a couple projects, and it's so nice to have people so excited for designers and advocate for them, and it's such a good feeling. It is. That I wish more people would see the benefits that we can bring Mm -hmm. to organizations and, you know, companies Mm -hmm. and people. So, yeah, that's probably my only, yeah, dislike you're only just like yeah so next question is uh what is your go-to industrial design program and why 
Okay, in terms of industrial design, 3D modeling, I have a love-hate relationship with Rhino. I feel like I don't use it very often in that every time I have to go back into it, I'm reteaching myself how to use Rhino, <laughs> but I'd say it's my go-to. I haven't really experimented with SolidWorks or... sixty. Yeah, I haven't. So Rhino has been my... My go-to, my safe, safe program. Um, in terms of rendering, I used to use Flamingo, and then I discovered Keyshot, and it changed my life. Nearly melted my computer, <laughs> but it changed. But it my changed life. my life. Yeah, the the renders are crisp. They're so crisp, so good. I think I have lots to learn. I could watch a couple tutorials, but I know the basics. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. How about how about you, Dash? Yeah, I think like for uh, you know, in terms of like three D modeling programs, those would be it. Um, to be quite honest, though, I still use a lot of Adobe programs. Like yeah. throughout my degree, I used InDesign constantly. Throughout my degree, I used Illustrator constantly because it's not just important to. Um, you know, create renders, but I think it's also really important to create storylines that go along with them and explain the research that you've done and explain the context behind the reason, like, and the reasoning behind the products that you make for which infographics and for which um, illustrations are my go-to. Recently, I also got an iPad Pro, so I've Whoa, been using okay. some Procreate. The Apple Queen is the in Apple the house. In the house. No, man, I've been <laughs> I've been using a lot of Procreate to, um, you know, step up my my illustration game. I would say and just add that kind of uh, feel to sketching and illustration that you know a lot of programs you can't do with. Uh, or just take really long time to do. So I would say right now, my most used is Illustrator and Procreate. Mm. Um, mind you, Keyshot is always, will always be the baby in my heart. It's, it's incredible what you can do with it. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. I 100% agree. I think it's funny how much, even though we're industrial design, like Adobe products are used sometimes if not more. Yeah. If you're not you know, doing a render mm -hmm. for a product. Yeah. Yeah, InDesign is, is so good mm -hmm. and so important to know. Okay, Dash's computer uh, just died, but we're on our last question. So question number seven, what makes an industrial design good? That is a hard one, man. Um, honestly very simple answer is for me at least from my perspective and I keep talking about this is considering the user and becoming really empathetic with the user group for whom you design for mm. that's at least for me a really important aspect of it um, as I said like the my icons and the people who I would like to follow are the people who really spend time to get to know the people who they design for um, and that's really important to me. So, and I think that that's something that I really take away from each design project is I get to know the people a little bit more. And in a way, every project that I make, I, I'm continuously, you know, prototyping and giving it to them to review. I'm continuously getting feedback from them. So really I'm 
almost designing with them by my side. They're the reason, they're my primary kind of research. They're my primary point, touch point. Um, and yeah, like they're kind of often my guiding star, should I say, the, oh. the North Star. Oh. So yeah, I, I think that that's the key for me. That's good. Yeah. I think for myself, I think the user is also very important. Um, I would say good industrial design is having a good understanding of who you're designing for, what you're designing, and kind of the full cradle to cradle um, consideration, you know, from the user to its intended use, the experience, but also how it's going to be maybe passed on or disposed of. Disposed yeah. of. Everything I think needs to be considered for it to be mm-hmm. good industrial design. Yeah, like considering the product life cycle. Yeah. Not just the experience is super important, user important, you know, mm-hmm. branding, all of that, but holistically from start to finish. Yeah. Birth to death. To death. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and I think that's a lot of a lot of designers right now. That's their focus, right? Is how can we um, how can we design something that will be, you know, not that will reverse the the effects that unfortunately industrial design have had in the previous years on the earth because in the past and you know we'll, we'll also cover um potential podcast potential podcast episode is in the past there's been a lot of like devastating effects on on the environment and climate change uh, and the climate change and it's because of industrial design it's because of engineering and a lot of these things happen because of us unfortunately because we didn't consider all the things that could happen with a particular product um yeah definitely cradle to cradle uh design is really important and or at least the consideration of it um yeah i know there's a couple of companies right now i think there's a actually uh, a rug company out there that does 100 percent cradle to cradle design i think they're the first ones to do from scratch to finish um 100% 100% cradle to cradle because I think they're one of the biggest like uh, industrial polluters out there right now in terms of like in the dumpster f- piles yeah. are actually like old rugs and old carpets uh, that people have been throwing out so this company is like redoing the way that they do it um, and they break it down to the element of the fibers and restart it so I know this because I wrote a paper on this in my class. <laughs> you're you're well versed on the cradle to cradle theory. Cradle to cradle. But it'll be really cool to actually interview. I think we should dedicate a couple of episodes to this. Like I know we have a professor who's really passionate about, um, you know, product life cycle and sustainable design. And I also know that there's an incredible book that we should read for oh. our book club. Uh, so yeah, definitely keep on tuning in to yeah. listen to that. No, it'll be it'll be a good discussion for sure. Alrighty. Anything else? Did we answer all the questions? Did we get it? Get them right? That is the challenge. I think we should remember that next time you design and we design, uh, we need to be helpful, be thoughtful, and be considerate.